Hi, this is Mark Newball from Panther Tracks, and you're listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. If they don't go for this, we're going to have to get out of here pretty quick, Chewie. To steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. And you belong right here with us. I need all the heroes I can get. And we need to understand what we just saw. That's why we ask questions. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is Questions and or Breakfast, a special Rebel Base Card podcast series. This is what revolution looks like. A Star Wars and or series podcast that asks more questions than it answers. Today for breakfast, we are asking questions on the Andor series episode 10, One Way Out, which debuted Wednesday, November 9th. Today, we are joined by Fanthatrax writer and friend of the show, Ross Holliban. Ross, thank you for taking time away from your many Star Wars and or pop uh, related efforts to join us for breakfast this morning. I love it, guys. Anytime I get to hang out with the two of you, it is a, it's a much better day overall, but definitely a better Star Wars day. I And... and I'm already jealous of this mic and and the mic sticker. I, I like I like the uh, I like the uh, rainbow uh, layout on your mic. He came to play. It, 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 it's big time. Like that. That's one that I'm happy to have on. Like and that goes on work calls and things as well. So as I as I do things from home, I get people asking about that, and I get excited about talking about it. Excellent, excellent. And of course, this table is not complete without my breakfast partner, Gregory Cass from Ion Cannon. Greg, how was the week this week? Oh, it was great until I, I was on my phone this morning. And I had a funny voicemail from you. It was unbelievable. Let me just repeat what you said. <laughs> you need to run, Lime, Hill. You need to help each other. If you see someone who is confused, someone who is lost, you get them moving. You keep them moving until we put this place behind us. And that was basically the line at Dunkin' Donuts today. So you really had to kind of like prep people to go, look, we've got, there's one way in, one way out of this place. So it's like, you know, I can't, I need my coffee to get the day going. But anyway, um, so yes, uh, what a great, what a great monologue and what a way to kick off what is the 37th breakfast uh, in this micro, this soon, micro soon to be macro uh, podcast series from the Herbal Base Card. All right. So the show it's going to work like this, Greg, Ross and I, monologues aside, will take turn asking questions, questions, mind you, that we have not mentioned to each other before. These questions hopefully spur some great conversation and all the pressure is off to get the right answer because that's, well, <laughs> that's why uh, Ross is going to be writing all this later. So uh, him <laughs> and other people have all the pressure off. Uh, we just have to sit around and sound like, sound like we know what we're talking about. So, of course, there is a chance we could take one of those questions, which in case you better have some spares. And I, I know, Greg, you're going to have some spares because I saw you writing on your post-it notes all week. So I know you got a fresh <laughs> pen, or at least ho hopefully, unless you, you, you ran through that pen trying to get the monologue out. So there's only one <laughs> way out of this podcast. There are no points, bonuses, lightning rounds, or phone a friend, but we do, like we, we do have what we like to call the Greg's List, which is a selection of podcasts and other assorted media we ingested uh, here, there, and everywhere to see if they've answered our questions and hopefully then some. It's also one of my favorite parts of the show as it highlights just some of the amazing work being done out there in the community. We hope you check some or all of these and maybe find a new content creator you like and want to support. Ross, since you are our guest, 
Do you have anybody that you listened to were on or uh, read about this week? Yeah, so a little bit of all of the above there. So every Wednesday, like part of it is now the release of a new episode in the morning, but then followed by the early afternoon, uh, the Star Wars sessions guys are over in Essex in the UK. So they get their spoiler-filled recap <laughs> reaction out immediately, and that's that's kind of my filler before I get back to a second watch. So always enjoy hanging out with Matt and Luke and getting their thoughts right off the bat about what happened. Um, and then I'm fortunate enough to join uh, Dan Z and Mark Suter on Coffee with Kenobi this week. So Mark is with Tarkin's Top Shelf and Idiot's Array, and we got to share a lot of thoughts on it. So. I didn't have to go back and rewrite notes, which is going to make it <laughs> made tonight's conversation easier and will make my uh, Fanta Tracks article a little bit easier. Um, and then the other part, like I feel like some people are probably a little bit behind right now. I haven't seen as many reactions come out yet, um, but I did read Jen's long take on it as well. So, nice. But I did that to make it seem like a podcast. I had the, the soundtrack playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm going to pitch to Jen that she should record those as little mini podcasts or, or do an audio version of it. That would be great. And as a lecturer, I'm sure she'll have no problem doing so. Yeah, she'd crush that. <laughs> uh, just a kudos to you on uh, the CWK. I thought it was great, uh, a great conversation. Um, it, was that your second or third this of Andor? Um. I got to Colby and I were on the uh, first episode the with first, Dan talking okay. about Susie. the first three episodes. So this was the the second time that I was on there this season. That's great. It was good conversation. Highly recommended. You know, if that Danzy guy is doing anything these days, who even knows? He's he's always so lazing about. Yeah, uh, ne- <laughs> always calm. Never has anything going on. <laughs> Uh, so I'll just jump in and share mine. Uh, so I did a lot of my usuals. Um, I want to just note, I've uh, really taken to Sky Talkers this season. Um, they are a show I dip in and out of, um, and they've gotten a lot of the great opportunities uh, to to uh, do the press conferences and so on. And so they've had a lot of that content. But I also just really like hearing their their personality. I will say, um, when I started listening to Sky Talkers, I was like, oh, they're just so young. I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> and then one of them recently turned 30 and the other is close. I'm like, oh, they're not that young, uh, Greg. You can handle this. So, uh, but they're, they're a fantastic show. Uh, Four Center, um, I, I think did two and a half hours again. Uh, those guys are always working really hard. Um, decoder decoding TV, the Ringerverse, which had a particularly good uh, segment on Karn, uh, just <laughs> doing a deep dive on what is he about, uh, and then as mentioned, CWK with our our guest as his guest. Nice, lots of good stuff, and thankfully, I am with my impending retirement from job number two, I will be uh, having a little more time not only to listen to, but hopefully um, <laughs> pitch to be on some people's shows. So that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my, that's my pitch. I did have a little bit of time this week. Um, I got to listen to, let's see, I was listening to uh, Ochtu radio mm-hmm. uh, and I had a chance to meet, meet uh, the fellow that's behind that at celebration in my, my mind is a blank at the moment. That's what I had when I tr- when I filled up on McDonald's before uh, before this podcast. Um, Alden, 
Alden, right? that's right. Alden Diaz. Um, yeah. Great conversation over there. He's, he's been doing a great job. Um, Podcast Stardust, uh, which, by the way, I think they were, they were just celebrating three years of their podcast. So congratulations to them. Uh, they always do a, such a great job. It's a, it's a great podcast to listen to. Uh, let's see. I, I checked in. Sometimes I like to check in with Rebel Force Radio just to see. They have an after, you know, they have like the the after like watch party one, and then they do their regular show. And it's usually, you know, those things are, you know, a couple hours, a couple hours long. Um, generally favorable, which I was, I was kind of happy to see. Sometimes you're wondering when you check in with a podcast, you haven't heard it a little bit. Um, you know, you're trying to get with the vibe of how they're feeling about a show, but uh, generally it seems pretty well. Um, let's see, caught up with, uh, if I'm having Ross on, I better make sure I get the uh, making tracks down. Uh, so I got their reaction show to, uh, to episode, uh, nine. And then, um, I was listening today to, uh, what the force, I think they were doing, I don't know if, if it's a sub sub series called, uh, and or declassified. Um, uh, I wasn't quite sure, but, uh, they were doing some real deep dives on there. And so I always enjoy listening to, uh, to, uh, what in the force when I get a chance. So a lot of good folks out there doing some great stuff. Uh, all righty. When, when you mentioned fan of the tracks, it reminded me, um, I'm not going to, or I'm going to try not to put you on the spot, Russ, but somebody over there was doing some location scouting, uh, this week. And it was really cool to watch them kind of hunting around the UK, trying to find where, where it's, uh, where the filming was done. And, you know, you see like a piece of the landscape and then they've ILM has filled in the rest of Coruscant or something. So it's some cool features on that. Well, that's there. And then I know, uh, I know Aldani has been a, like kind of with the, uh, the dam there, mm. like that, that's, that is there. So like, that is a <laughs> wow. spot that people are going to. And it, it's very cool seeing, uh, different people over in the UK visiting that and posting their pictures about it. So, you know, if I get, I, I, I won't be over there for celebration, but the next time I do get over there, I, I want to put that on the list. It, I, I looked it up because my wife and I are tentatively planning a trip. It is a hike. So those people, are, I think it was like three hours from Edinburgh, a, a long car ride wow. and then a hike. So, um, yeah. And, you know, I'm an ignorant American. So I assume the UK is, you know, smaller than Rhode Island. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is a, a lot of territory to get there. But it looks well worth the trip. So I agree. It'd be fun. Yeah. And I was kind of marveling just how far the Excel center was from Heathrow. I mean, you know, of course you're taking the train over, but I mean, the Excel center is like way over on the other side. Uh, so like, I can only imagine if you're going to try to make the Aldani run, um, <laughs> what would entail, how many train rides. Um, the only thing is if you are going to do that, um, and you're going to be doing the train, uh, take it from me, make sure to get those train tickets ahead of time, because even though they said, Hey, trains can be, you know, tickets are only where from like, X amount, you know, like 25, 30 bucks. That is if you do it weeks or months in advance. The closer you get to the, to the day you're actually doing it, it can go up exponentially. So especially if you are planning to uh, even thinking about going to uh, celebration and or you're going to tack some other vacation time into it and you're thinking about taking a train anywhere, I don't think it would hurt to go ahead and buy the tickets now. You have nothing much to lose, uh, you know, because even if you were going to do like a, you know, like a channel ticket to Paris. I mean, those, those tickets, you know, you know, well under a hundred dollars, uh, even less, maybe less than 50, you might as well just go ahead and get your tickets. And then that way, if you have them great, and then you've already got a seat on there. So there, there's your celebration, uh, prep uh, months early in advance. Hot, take that <laughs> coffee with Kenobi and Fantha Um, anyway, 
Don't worry. They're, they're not going to find out. Nobody listens to this podcast anyway. Um, all right. <laughs> kidding, kidding. All right. Nobody's so, listening was last week. Oh, right? that's right. Nobody's listening the wrong was last one. week. Wrong Everybody's episode. listening to this one. <laughs> here, I, here I was. One gonna, way out. <laughs> yeah. Here I was going to rename the podcast uh, for the 10th time in this. All right. So, Ross, we are going to let the guests go with their first question. I And I am hopefully not ready to uh, cross off some of mine because my list is actually not as big as last week's, I have to say. So I'm going to I'm going to dive in big time here uh, no 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 soft approach here um and some of it's it's completely based off luthan at the end of the episode <laughs> and everything that he says will cassian be the one to kill luthan <gasps> wait a minute set you up first some... greg set up. <laughs> Um, I know there's no phone a friend, but I would like a little, can you use that in a sentence? Um, no, give me a little context for that. I'm kind of curious. It's, uh, I mean, it is, is Cassian going to find out that Luthen has kind of put out the hit on him and you know, oh. Luthen's all about himself. So like, this is something that I pose to Dan Z is, is Luthen more of a quote unquote bad guy than Saul Guerrero is. Because Saw protects his people versus Luthen being willing to cut loose anyone to get ahead. Uh, I would, I could see that if not for his, I mean, maybe the whole recruitment shtick in the early episodes was more of just to get him to make sure he was going to say whatever he needed to say in order to get Endor on board with this team because he knew they needed him. But I have a hard time believing that. I think the hit on Cassian. I think that is still the the other the other the other gals. Boy, I'm, I'm where is Clea? Uh, Clea, thank Clea. you. Yeah. yeah, I think that's more her than him. Uh, and we can see that from how they sort of interact. So I think she does have some, she interacts independently. But no, I don't. I'm gonna have to say no. I don't. I don't think so because I still have hope uh, in this show that doesn't have a whole lot of hope. Um. That although I do, I don't think Luthen makes it out. I don't think it's by Cassian's hand. What do you think, Doctor mm. Cass? Uh, I mean, I want to take the opportunity, um, though I imagine there will be more, to just say that was an incredible bit of acting there at the end of the episode um, with with Luthen and well, Stellan Selsgard, uh, Stellan Selsgard. Sal take your time. Take your time. <laughs> Sarsgard. Sarsgard. There it is. I was like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, Sarsgard. Uh, I always remember his son uh, was on SNL one time, and the skit was that he got invited to the the Pirates convention. And the skit unfolds, and they figure out he was only invited because it was Sarsgard uh, for all the Pirates <laughs> to say. A classic after weekend update, the skit should not be on the air. SNL skit, I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so Stellan Sarsgaard, the, uh, a name you should never forget, uh, was just incredible in that final scene. Um, you know, there's a lot to unpack in the emotion of that, but my mind went to, uh, thanks to the Daft Prawns for always keeping this front of center in my mind, to Hamilton. And, uh, you know, we may not live to see our glory, but we will gladly join the fight. Um, and yet, I think there's so much more behind uh, Luthen that it's not pure selflessness. I think he's very genuine when he's 
lost everything in this regard. So uh, I'll take all that time as my stalling to say, I think he makes it to season two. I don't mm. think he survives the series. And I think I'm going to go with that uh, they do come to a head at the end of the season, the two of them, Luthen and Cassian, this is. But I think they both survive and fester, and we'll see what happens next season. So I'm not ready to say Cassian takes out Luthen, but uh, you did steal kind of what I said, and I'll throw it back to you with this, which is on my list was, is Luthen beyond saving? Is it possible mm. to get him to a happy rebel place because I, I i mean i'm not dan z but i'll take the question and say i think he is worse than saw i think he's darker than saw so what do you think ross yeah i think he's there i don't know that there's a way back and the fact that he even recognizes it i think that when you're talking when someone who's helping you with your cause and the first thing you say to them is congratulations on your daughter being born that's that's not friendly banter right there. Like that, <laughs> you know, he, he called that out immediately. Like, are you, is this a threat? Are you threatening me? And even as you look at it, when the, when the elevator opened up, when the lift opened up and you get that vantage point, I think I've watched it five times now. Wow. And mm. it was when it opened and seeing the Cape, seeing all the dark, all I saw was Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back. Like, without there's a little bit of wind down there, so the cape's blowing. There's all this metal and shape behind him, and you're getting more of his silhouette than him. And there is that big cape there. I think that is foreboding, and I, I think Luthen is a lot of trouble at this point. That doesn't mean, and, and I love how Star Wars does this. Like Ahsoka does it the best, a gray Jedi. You know, there is good, there is bad, there are no absolutes. And I believe Luthen started very altruistically, but is now, in, and he said it, I'm using my enemy's weapons to get back at people. So he knows he's gone so far, and I don't think he thinks he, he can be redeemed. Agreed. And, and, and Ross just stole the quote I was going to bring up because that's at that, that. Oh my goodness. And, uh, I, I have to, I keep accidentally touching this, uh, document, uh, cause I'm like using, using the mouse across there. But when you're, when you're, when you go over the whole monologue that, uh, you know, as, 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 uh, Greg, you know, said that he wrote down and you could see on his Instagram page, but it's like all this, you know, it's just amazing. What is what the what is my sacrifice speech? I am damned for what I do, my anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight. They've set me on a path from which there is no escape. Ah, <laughs> but yes, I do agree that he is he by this he, he's probably he's probably more ruthless than Saw because even then Saw at, at least said you know he knew what he you know like he knew what his purpose was. But I would say that Luthen's probably ready to go farther than Saw would. And you have to wonder who's going to be less careful about it going this port forward. Like, I guess you could say that's, you know, even though that we see Saw Guerrero in Rogue One, you don't see much of Saw Guerrero in Rogue One. So mm. that doesn't really bode well for Luthen. Um, but yeah, I, you're, Greg, you're more bullish on, 
on him surviving this this season than I am. I I'm you know I don't know who takes him out. May not be it may not be Cassian, but I don't see him lasting uh, past episode twelve. I, I just want to tack on to to what Ross said uh, too with the the uh, staging of it looked very much like the Cloud City Gantry just to steal the old toy name for it um, and I was struck by how much of the episode was spent going up with the prisoners right everybody was going up and then at the very end of the episode we get a long trip down and mm. where do we find Luthen but at in the depths as far down seemingly as we've been on Coruscant, Coruscant in a long time. So I think, I think there's something to that. Such so star Wars is not subtle with things like that. So uh, I agree. Okay. And we had, uh, we had climb yet again. Yes. Yes. So now, like, it, it's, as, as, it's I said, in there again, and I loved seeing it every time it happened. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. All right. I, I'll jump in next before more of mine get taken. Uh, I'll hit on the other <laughs> plot line that's not the prison. Uh, just a, a a very small but a really intense scene with Mon Mothma uh, this week, and so I'll just I'll just say it as simply as as I can. Did Mon Mothma consider it? Is she considering it? And what is she fighting for if she's willing to give up? her daughter right that's the opposite of hamilton <laughs> that's the that's sacrificing the future for the present so of course what i mean is where uh her davos uh asks can uh i'll do what you want but you have to introduce our children and essentially arrange a marriage for them so how far did mon mothma consider that ah you just took one of mine <laughs> 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 off the board <laughs> Uh, you want to go, or is this me? If you got something, uh, as I'm, I'm, I'm in shell shock of my question going off the table. Uh, but as I prepare for my answer, Ross, why don't you take that? Yeah, I think she's absolutely considering it right then, and I think, I think this, I think Davo is, I think he has that gift of reading people, and that's how he's been able to climb. He doesn't have the name she does, like. This was the Game of Thrones scene mm. from Andor. Mm -hmm. And hey, I need an alliance here because I've got money, but I don't I don't have name. You know, I don't have he, he talks about people being proud about their family wealth and things like that. He's built wealth, but he doesn't have the name. He needs the name and wants to kind of build the families to strengthen that. So I think she's absolutely considering it. And I think that's why she's so torn up on that shot that's going away like of just like this can't be happening i can't be considering this but is it the best thing for the big picture so you know and for a mom to have to do that like that's i can't i can't fat i'll never be able to fathom <laughs> how a mom is going to feel in that situation but that is that's intense oh i totally agree and i i you know, when he said that was the first untrue thing you've said, um, yeah, he pegged it right away. And what a great, you know, what a great payment. You know, it's like he, money means nothing to him. Uh, but yeah, he needs that name. And he, I mean, you know, and Mon knows that any kind of association with him um, is just 
bad news for her and her, you know, her reputation, things like that. Uh, you know, but you do have to give it to him. Like everybody is dressed to the nines, you know, as we were saying, you know, her, her friend, the banker Tay, right? Tay. Um, I'm going back over to, uh, I'm going back over to director Bennick's uh, sheet. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I just love the dialogue. I loved, I love the character. I am still holding out hope. Not that I want to see, uh, director Bennick punch himself in the face, but I'm, I'm holding on by the, the thinnest of margins that that could still be uncle Harlow. However, um, you know, I am I am not ready to concede that point yet. But uh, at any rate, but what well, I do love about that, I think the biggest wild card in everything is Perrin, mm-hmm. and the fact Perrin's already been associated with him, and it sounds like she was surprised, but said she wasn't surprised by that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like to me, he's a he could either be the biggest bad guy. Or he could be the surprise hero hmm. of this whole thing of just like, you don't think I pay attention? I don't have to work the same way you do. I'm talking to all these people. I understand what's going on the same way you do. And I'm keeping you safe by not letting you know the thing. So hmm. not that that's going to happen, but it's kind of playing in the back of my mind of just like, huh, I wonder if we're going to get that complete 180 there. I think it's possible, but I think this show has proven over and over again when we think we're onto something that, you know, that it, it does it does the opposite of what we're thinking of. So uh, I do think that he has a role to play. I just don't know what his angle is quite yet. You're, you're both making me chuckle to myself. I think Steel Saunders of Steel Wars just tonight uh, Instagrammed uh, Perrin uh, in the prison jumpsuit on program uh, saying the only way this can end satisfyingly or something like that, uh, which uh, totally would work for me. Um, I I do think that's a very astute observation that he is a real wild card. And um, yeah, and as Greg said, this show has always found a way to not be what we expect it to be. So um, you know, surprise hero for Perrin would be uh, a good one. Greg, while while you're holding on to that tiny sliver of hope, I will say <laughs> my my prison ship theory, the big swing I took the last two weeks obviously fell apart this week. So I admire a good uh theory even if it if it falls apart i had like half of twitter on my side after that andy circus video everybody you know frank uh molder warned us that he's like don't watch this there's a big spoiler and it turns out you know i think maybe andy circus was saying ship as in like a boat right because he knew it was on water or something like that so uh but boy a good theory uh is what star wars fandom is all about Exactly. Uh, I'll just I'll just tackle in and, and chime in and say I completely agree. I think you know the the line Greg mentioned of um, that's the first untrue thing you've said. That's classic Star Wars. The villain tells it correctly. He doesn't lie. He doesn't equivocate. Um, that's the truth. And and she's there. And to what Ross said, I will add. You know, not only the horror of a mother giving up her daughter, but this is exactly the prison Mon Mothma is still in. Right? She is still living that uh, that kind of arrangement. And all the misery we've seen her experience, she is condemning her daughter to that. My original thought I'll add is there was a shot, I think it was two episodes ago, it was in the big party episode. And I think this was deliberate and it was really kind of striking where um, the action was happening in the deep background. I think it was Tay and Mon talking and out of focus coming towards the camera, kind of one room closer was Lita 
with a little cookie or something, just kind of nibbling away out of focus. And it was just the actress walking through and off. She wasn't in the scene at all. But to me, it was so striking that she looked so childish and young there because her previous, you know, scenes, she'd, she'd been an awful teenager as some teenagers are. And so to me, that's where my mind went as soon as the offer came out. It's like, yeah, if, if it was just those earlier scenes, I might have said, like, yeah, take her. She's a pain in the butt. But she's still she's young. A, she's and a kid. It's a life. She's a kid. So I think it's it's brutal. Um, I, and while we are all in agreement that she thought about it, I don't, I'm not ready to say for sure she won't eventually accept it myself. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I kind of thought, well, if you know, if you want to get back at your mom, uh, this is the perfect way to do it. You know, oh, he, she doesn't like this this guy or this kid. Yeah, I'm all on board. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the bad the bad boy, as it were. But uh, mm, we'll see. I, I, you know, I don't think we've seen the last of uh, of Davo. And and what's interesting, that kind of like picked off another question because I was like, I had down. Uh, do you think Perrin might be aware of Davo or his visit? Um, but I think mm. we've kind of talked that off the board. I, I have a feeling he, if he doesn't know, he'll find, you know, he'll find out, or he, I think he knows uh, who knows, um, right. just based on what we're talking about. All right. I'm going to peel this back a little bit because something has been kind of bothering me over the last couple of episodes in regards to the prison, which may or may not be a ship. Um, it still could it take still off. Could be. Yeah. It still could be. Yeah. <laughs> it had to get there somehow. Um, why do you think the factory, the, the prison factories were so undermanned to begin with, or do you think it was more balanced before the POR, PORD laws? And my wondering is, is that we are, in, you know, kind of at the height of the empire. Why would they be undermanned? It's not like their forces were being rerouted to take care of, you know, huge incursions and big battles. They should have plenty of people. Uh, that are helping out in these factories. I'm wondering why were they so undermanned? Uh, so <laughs> as you're talking, my mind went to the uh, the employment of Mr. Uh, Mr. Karn, and I'm thinking of those giant hangers full of all those little cubicles. And what are those guys doing but crunching numbers and making sure the the empire is as efficient as possible? So with that in mind, my answer is they didn't need them, right? Mm. The system was working, and you could get away with never more than 12 guards. And so you never had more than 12, and you spread them out. I mean, we know there were four or five of those prisons visible. Uh, so I agree with your your point that the they had the resources. I mean, we're not talking clones anymore, but they could have just grabbed whoever they wanted from the outer rim, clearly, and turned them into guards. But I think the name of the game is to, to be as thin and efficient as possible and get all the wealth to go build a Death Star, or maybe two. You know. <laughs> now that's a point that that that's the point that I'm I was I was I can see uh, the really that came up was why all you know all the extra guns and boots. <laughs> if you didn't need them, why all the extra mm. guns and boots? I'm sorry, I I didn't I didn't want to get ahead of that, but that was just something that I was going through. Uh, Ross, what do you think? Well, I mean, it could absolutely be built for more. But I, I think along with what Greg was saying, just like, how do we streamline this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
we live in we live in a very powerful and wealthy country but i don't know that i've been to a dmv that's been properly staffed <laughs> hey you that's know. worse than a prison come on <laughs> so, still, know, it's, it's still it's a sore worker, subject it's Russ. not the workers fault there but it's yeah. someone's always how can i save an extra dollar here because right. i need yeah. another yacht <laughs> or this needs to happen it is it's always the people at the that lowest level and i'm assuming those guards are some of the lowest level mm. to be stuck there and it's the group at aldani that didn't want to be there it's these people in the middle of the water on these barges that are there hopefully flying ships but at least barges <laughs> that are there and you know that's that's how leadership sometimes works. That doesn't mean it is leadership, but that's mm. who the people in power, they want to put resources somewhere else. Like, where can we take it from? These people don't need additional help, and they're expendable if something goes wrong. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. That, that's, it's, it was just bothering me the whole point, uh, the, whole, <laughs> the whole time. But I, I do agree with you, Greg. I think that, uh, maybe somebody in the uh, weights and measurements division decided that you only needed that, and that's the whole point of that. It was designed like that, and everything goes in. Um, but yeah, it's just it still just seemed it seems so odd. Um, and well, and don't forget don't forget Kino in that mix because you could have had a guard on the floor demanding it of them, but right. they already stripped that power down and said, well, why bother paying somebody to be there when we can force one of those inmates for, I don't know, a little extra flavor to, you know, some days off their sentence that's fake to to run the floor and, and trim it down. That times two shifts, times seven rooms, times seven floors, uh, it, it all goes right to Palpatine's pocket. You know, that guy. Those those fancy gold snoke robes don't come cheap. He has to start buying those now. Well, in his space yacht is massive. Yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Around the board, back to you, Ross. What's your next question? So I'm going to go with, um, and I believe I heard Matt Hudson say this at some point, that the med tech slash doctor is Harry Potter's father. James Potter from the oh, Potter oh yeah I think I did ah, that's cool. I haven't gone back and checked but it looks like and it's just you always think like oh he he's gotten much older and it's just like oh those movies are old at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's a fun point about that that I that I thought was great that Matt pulled out but his line in episode nine is his frustration I can't help him I can't help anyone mm we see him during the breakout and he's kind of like, what is going on here? He's like kind of caught in the, the middle of it. Does the doctor on Narkina five save Kino Loy and overcome the fact that he can't save anyone? Mm. <laughs> I think that that might've killed another one of my questions. It killed one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm happy to be here and tarnish oh, all your dreams. You're killing <laughs> Well, and as I've been putting out, you know, like, you know, I can't I can't necessarily ask Greg questions. This is the the one flimsy rule we have. We cannot ask these questions before we record. 
But I think here, <laughs> there, and everywhere, I was writing five thousand men in this, and no one get no one can help Kino get to shore. I'm like, <laughs> so that would be a very satisfying end because there's no way Kino get you know. What's he going to do? Like, oh, I'll just go back to my cell. No, you know, he just announced to everyone, kill who you can. So either they they kill him off right away or he stays behind and dies trying to help the rest of them out. But it would be very satisfying if um, we saw more than two two men make it to shore. And it'd be great to see Kino make it off. But I'm, you know, I'm not convinced either of them, mainly because I think the doctor would probably still be in denial about what to do. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, the two last people to get killed in that facility are probably the doctor and Kino. <laughs> uh, completely agree that the insert shot of the doctor stood out to me as well. Kind of the basis of your question here that I was like, Oh, we're just flashing on him for a moment. And you know, um, I don't, I'm revealing too much of my watching habits. I just watched the, uh, the weird owl movie that just oh, came out, oh, which yeah. is, it's kind of a really funny parody of those Bohemian Rhapsody style movies that have become so popular. But um, they what they really did at the end is they have a big award ceremony. I think it's the Grammys. Um, and they like flash everybody from the whole movie is just in the audience. But it's it's shot in that way where you can tell they weren't actually all in the room together. They just did little inset shots when everybody was on set for the day. And that shot felt like one of those <laughs> where you're like, oh, before you go, doctor or whatever the actor's name is, uh, Mr. Potter, uh, could you just like look up at the ceiling and look amazed or, or something like that? Um, so I like the optimism of the question, but optimism is not this show <laughs> to me. <laughs> so I think I think it was just meant to remind us that they're all there and they're all a part of it. And I don't think Kino Loy gets off the ship. Now, to fill in some of my thinking, what my question was is uh, where does uh, Kino go from here? Because I think this show has taught us they don't like we don't lose people, right? People die or they continue in the story. How many of us thought we were done with Ferex in those first three and done with the whole Aldani crew? at the end of the sixth and yet we still get these pieces so um so i'm gonna say that kino survived now speaking of just optimism greg your optimism of like yeah maybe he's all right maybe he'll no like i think i think he's in isb's headquarters next time we see him um you're you both point out the um the fact he named himself right my name is kino <laughs> loy oh don't know where i am uh Floor five. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Like he gave them everything they need. And we know there was a room full of guards still there. So they'd be the first to say, yeah, it was Keen Loy who was the, the ringleader of that. Um, boy, is that another piece for the ISB to pick up and start to figure out where Cassian is? Um, I think I think I worry about what state he'll be in when I see him again. Although, again, I'll give a shout out to Fanthatrax. They posted uh, a fake vintage card, uh, Kino Loy, today that came with a little rubber ducky, uh, you know, floaty <laughs> tube. So maybe maybe that's what it is. He found one of those. The doctor brought him one and they swam off happily. But what do you think, Ross? I, I think I want to wish that in. Again, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> fit into this show, but um, I... Kino Loy is just such a great character that I'd I'd hate to see it happen that way. And this is 
kind of what I mentioned on CWK is everything he did, at least as it relates to Cassian, he always hesitated before he did it. So he always took that break and was just like, should I do this? This is different than I've been doing for a while. So even when he's giving the speech, he needed that additional nudge. He's like, is that all you've got? Like, it was constantly, he always hesitated before he went into it. Not everyone can just say, oh, I'm going to do this now. And that that's kind of his personality that we've learned through this through this series and these, these batch of episodes is sometimes he takes a little bit longer. I can't imagine him giving up right now. I think he gets in that water one way or the other. I just don't know where he goes. Yeah, I, I, I just can't imagine him just sitting up there just waiting um, because, you know, nobody's listening in that facility, but I'm sure there are cameras in that facility and they are watching. Uh, so, yeah, that that is something. And, and, and you, you called it, Greg. They're most definitely going to be connecting the dots on this and taking some of that video. And, you know, I, I'd almost bet a mortgage payment that we're going to see like, hey, that guy looks a lot like, oh, shit, you know. So um, <laughs> well, anyway. the, the two the two security guys that they had turned off the water and the power and everything. The fact that Cassian didn't shoot them, I was like, oh, two more people that can say, yeah, yep. we know what this guy looks like and sounds like, and they're going to identify him too. And Deidre's mind is going to blow because she's going to be like, wait, how is he at Aldani and Ferrix and Narkina 5? This isn't even possible. How don't we know that all of this is happening? Mm. Exactly. Oh. Oh, I'll take a pause before, uh, Greg, you go into your next question by saying that uh, I'll do a quick public service announcement. Um, speaking of the Weird uh, Weird Owl story, that is a free streaming movie on Roku.com. Um, so if you go on over there, you can watch that movie for free, which, because I'm, I'm very much close to my retirement from job number two, I will be watching as soon as I can get a chance to. That looks like fun. <laughs> and I was also happy to take a break from accidentally editing uh, Director Bennick's Google Doc because I keep futzing with the keyboard on the wrong screen <laughs> and accidentally. So uh, apologies once again in advance uh, to all the hard work that Director Bennick does on the Google Doc for tonight. At any rate. All right. Oh. Well, and I'm so foolish. I drop in the Weird Al reference without connecting the fact that it's Harry Potter playing Weird Al versus James Potter the, playing the Doctor. I can, you can drop that back in and post, right? Just like, <laughs> uh, put, put that in. It always uh. goes back to Kevin Bacon, whether he's in the film or not. <laughs> so does oh, that mean next goodness. week's show? Next week's show, we will be asking questions on the Weird Al documentary. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Bacon as a breakfast podcast, it's, it writes itself. Uh, yeah, it's not a problem. Uh, <laughs> Fewer pages than Wheel of Time, for sure. Well, not may <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. How many movies has he been in? <laughs> All right. Uh, oh my goodness! So we have a lot that we're just snapping up off my <laughs> my list. So uh, I'm going to improv this one. Admittedly, uh, I actually think mine. I I think. Ross just killed two of mine in one shot. So, so good on you. Uh, so I thought it was very striking um, when they got to the control room and um, and Kino grabbed the mic and Cassian was there on the side saying, it's you, it has to be you, and eggs him on to make the speech and says, you know, you tell men what to do all day to tell them what to do now. 
I thought that was really interesting. And what came to mind is how many fans have complained about Andor being periphery to the show Andor. Um, and I'm not co-signing that criticism. I think that misunderstands the show a little bit. But it was very interesting that on a different show, it would have been Andor, right? He would have grabbed the mic and would have had his heroic speech and rallied the troops and, you know, they would all be Spartacus or they'd all, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, be Braveheart or what have you. So uh, why do you think it had to be Loy? Why couldn't it be Cassian in that moment to to rouse the troops? I... I think it's just the fact that he was a leader there and people were going to recognize him. Um, at least the other people on the floor, like no one knew who Cassian was. At least he was a, a shift leader. Um, the other shift leader, as soon as he heard his voice, you saw his eyes light up and he was the first one to step on the floor. So like, mm -hmm. Oh, I trust him. So, Hey, he says the, the floor is cold. The other leader from the fifth floor was the first one to jump onto the floor to test it so it really was and cassian hasn't been there that long mm. he doesn't have the same pent up built up betrayal like he's still pissed that he's even there in the in the first place but these other people that have been working and doing their time the quote-unquote right way they're the ones that are angry like that's that's what's bubbling up. I think Cassian's very good at weaponizing emotions from people. And he's so good at reading and reacting to who they are that that's where he was like, this one needs to be you. You own this more than me. Hmm. And I think this whole show, especially, you know, you saw it with um, the manifesto. Right. And it wasn't him that was writing all this stuff down. It's not him that's giving the speeches. It is him that is getting these pieces to move. But he's not that he's not the, you know, the great architect of, you know, of the rebellion. But he, you know, I, I agree with Ross. I think it, it in that case, it did have to be Kino because of they would listen to him and he had everything you know to say about it. But it doesn't necessarily take away, I think, from Andor. I think Andor has just been doing a lot of this in different ways in his way. But I think the series is kind of pointing us to at some point, he's going to have his own monologue and it's going to be brilliant. And I think that might be what we're waiting to hear at some point when we see him like really you know, embrace you know, the rebellion and his cause. He'll be able to really spell it out and, and take you know, both sides of it, take his ability to move pieces around and also to inspire the pieces to, to call that call to action and really be a true leader. Greg, you mentioned the, the manifesto in this. So something that I saw from most things Kenobi earlier today was they, someone has circled. And I think this was on, I don't know if it was on Twitter or Patreon or something like that, somewhere where they were discussing it where someone has circled Cassian in Rogue One on the arm of his jacket, and they're like, is that the manifesto? Ooh. <laughs> like, attached to his sleeve. So that's just a complete sidebar, but I saw it and was just like, oh, my God, that could be. So, yeah. again, maybe it's not. Maybe I, I was like, oh, is that a flask? 
And then they're like, could this be the manifesto? And I was like, oh, here, mm. here we are. Mm. Yeah, all those Pathfinders have the great kind of Vietnam, They think the things they carried stuff on them. And, and there was a great Rogue One poster of a helmet with, with things on it like that. So yeah, uh, oh, that's fantastic. I'm going to be doing some Googling uh, after after we get off. Uh Hmm. Uh, to answer my own question, I think a lot of what you just said is right, uh, as I always do. You two are very smart gentlemen. Uh, I think my fear is that we have seen that monologue that he's building to already and that it is in a film called Rogue One, um, whether you want it to be. Uh, I've been in this fight since I was six years old or when he meets Jin in the hangar and says, you know, we've done a lot. We're, we're going to do this with you. Um, and, you know, Tony Gilroy in some of his interviews has referred to this series as the education of Cassian and Andor. And so I think mm. what you're both saying fits that, right, that he's watching, he's listening. But it also reminds me that for much of Rogue One, that's where he is. He's beside Jin, uh, beside Jin and, and helping her forward at the big council meeting. I can't I don't think he's even really present there. Jin is no. essentially at the table and Bodhi is right with her. Um, but Cassian is not in that central position. Um, and perhaps the best example is is in those earlier scenes with Mon Mothma and, and Bale around the, the Yavin briefing room, which were clearly shot at two different times with different, uh, you know, reshoots happening. Uh, but Cassian kind of hangs back a little and is literally in the shadow there and then pops into the light when he has to. So that could just be where he's comfortable. And, and you know, we need that type of hero too. It's somebody who is willing to help the person make the choices they need, but maybe isn't the one who's the figurehead. Um, you know, the, the, the whip in your legislature who gets the votes together, but doesn't get to make the speech. I think that that's the kind of figure he might end up being. Mm. All right. As my, as my list of questions rapidly diminishes, uh, I'm going to go ahead and preemptively take this one. So let's see. We see, we've already talked a little bit about the, um, the interaction between Luthen and I believe the name is Supervisor Lonnie Zhang or Zhang, um, or as I like to call him, Lieutenant Napoleon Dynamite. Um, but what do you? What are the chances that Lonnie gets caught and becomes the the real link to Luthen, not Cassian? I think there's legitimacy to that. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be him. Like I, I don't know if he gets caught. Something else is going to go sideways with it. I don't think he's going to be the one ratting out. Um, I he's just in, he's in the worst spot of anyone right now. Like he is, <laughs> he's in the Iron Maiden and needs like six people to all open it at the same time. Like there's just no way that's going to occur. So. I don't think he's gonna one gonna be the one to do it. I, I think he's one of the most tragic characters and definitely feel for him, but that that's how cutthroat this rebellion is to start it. And it's not it's not an easy thing to get going if you're trying to go against this big of a power. I will say, um 
I, I only got a chance to watch twice this week. Sometimes I sneak in a third. One time I only got one, and that was a rough episode. <laughs> Sorry to, to the listener out there, uh, Frank by name. The, uh, but uh, So uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is um, the scene in the ISB uh, when on the rewatch, because when you know he's working against it, that right. scene is the scene is going one direction. The plan is going one direction and he intervenes to change the plan. And Deidre is very angry. And I think when I watched that scene the first time, I kind of had my, you know, eyes up just to, again, I'm somehow still rooting for Deidre, even though she's terrible. But, you know, we all know that unfortunate truth about a woman in a male centered workplace who has a great idea, says it, and then the man says it and he gets listened to and he gets the credit. And it felt like one of those scenes, like or or perhaps that he was messing up her plan. And then to have that extra layer of him maybe purposefully messing it up and her frustration there. That all is preamble to me saying, I think she figures him out. And I don't know that that will be the way to Luthen, but I think it will be another feather in her cap that she can take down another one of her colleagues and rise a little higher. And um, and again, I, I mean, I, I honestly am thinking a lot of these people are going to survive till season two. <laughs> no, no, no uh, kind of guesses about what happens to them during season two but i think they're so compelling and they're so well written that i would if i was tony gilroy i'd want to keep playing with these toys so i think that sure. that'll be another way for her to rise get a little more uh rank a little more uh credit at the isb and maybe she'll be uh second in command to uh wolf or, or something as that but i i don't think it'll be the i don't think it'll be luthan's undoing but i do think uh as you said he's in the iron maiden <laughs> hmm. all right well i'll jump to so during obi-wan it was so exciting to visit alderaan mm. will we go to chandrilla Ooh. During these two episodes. Hmm. Boy, you know, if we're being honest, the list of very important Star Wars planets that we haven't been to is growing pretty short after mm -hmm. Alderaan and in Kenobi, as you say, and I would add Corellia in Solo, right? Um, so if you think about planets that have been in canon for that long that haven't appeared... Chandrilla might be the longest, the oldest uh, there. Um, I would really love to go to Chandrilla. I think establishing it now so that it could be used in Mando or Ahsoka when it is the capital of the, Ro the New Republic would be smart. And I am going to go ahead and say my biggest fear is that we don't go to Chandrilla, but hey, there's this beautiful luxury cruise ship that is made on Chandrilla Aww. that wouldn't you love to see, uh, which I don't think will actually happen. But that would be my fear uh, because I understand the the Halcyon and the Galactic Star Cruiser experience is incredible for um, everybody I know who's been to it says it's absolutely incredible but I kind of don't want it sold to me. I would like it. I would like it held back. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say, yes, we're going to go to Chandrilla because it's more of a wish than I, than I uh, think it'll happen. I want it to happen. I think there's, there's, there's not a bad precedent for that to happen because we know that 
Val is going back there, she's got to like camp out a little bit. And wouldn't it be interesting if Mon had to, you know, if she accepted, if she went back to the planet to do the introduction or something along those lines, uh, or we go back, you know, someone on her behalf, uh, maybe take us back. I don't know. We, we, we see some negotiating there, but that would be nice to see that planet. Um, cause I think we've invested a lot in it. Uh, or even, you know, if, what did we, uh, I, I'm starting to lose track of my hair, hairball, uh, theories, but if, if we were thinking that Cyril was perhaps from the same planet, him going back, uh, for no good reason. Um, or maybe he's chasing something else there. Maybe that gives that an excuse for us to visit. But I do think that it's, I do think it's wise to visit and get that there because that could be used in other series as well, not just this one. Mm. Yeah, and I don't know if there's enough time left to really do it, but I'd love to see it. Mm. Mm. Part of what's made Mon Mothma's plotline so effective is that she seems so trapped. So I think that's my best reason not to go, even though I'd really like to see it, is that you have this claustrophobic feeling. I mean, she's been in the Senate and she's gone to Luthen's shop, but at all other times, we, we were joking on our, our group text about how they're all in Narkina 5. They just haven't realized it yet, right? And, yeah. and it, it does feel like she's in the most opulent prison of all time, but she's just as stuck as they are and following a, a program. But Well, yeah. would the real kick there be if Perrin and the daughter went mm. and she had to stay yeah. on Coruscant? Mm. Ooh. A, a Perrin traveling on his own to go confront Tay on Chandrilla? I could see that happening. Stay away from my wife. Uh, if he cares yeah. that much, I don't know. But yeah. And potentially have an accident on the way back. Uh, oh, sorry. Did I say that loud? <laughs> Oops. Uh, do you well, have anything left on? Very... I was going to say, do you have anything <laughs> yeah. left on your list? I mean, I have, I have one that is, uh, I think we've covered. So I'll just say in passing, one of my questions as we do, in fact, go into the finale arc, right? We're just headed into the last two. I'm wondering if anybody gets a noble end and, you know, it feels more and more like the only noble end is the one we see Cassian get in Rogue One. So we've, we've talked around that one so much. I won't offer that. So I will offer something very lame, but it is part of the ongoing discourse about this show. And I will word it in the most chilly way possible. Is this show too good? <laughs> um, I think, you know, the three of us from from all I've heard and really every fan I've listened to that's worth a dang is just so incredibly uh, engrossed by this show. And in terms of sound design, production design, direction, acting, I'm actually kind of thinking we might have a problem moving forward that it's going to be really difficult to hit this high again. Season two, sure, if it's all the same people, but... Can we just go watch Mando? Will we be okay with Ewan McGregor in the volume after this? I, I, I think it's a real question. So is this show too good? Uh, Disney, my address is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the You know, I think it sets a new high bar for, you know, serial television, especially in this, you know, in, in this franchise. But I, I do think that they have a tough act to follow, much like the first season of, of Mandalorian, 
where it's like we're going to be doing time jumps, you know, a la House of the Dragons. And, you know, you can kind of see how that kind of worked. In some cases, it didn't, especially when you got attached to certain ones. I don't know if we'll have I don't know if we'll have something like this where it had, a you know, although it did move ahead months, I guess, at a time. Um, but I, the everything had a chance to percolate. But I do think that it should show Disney the power of writing of, of the story. I don't think there is a, a Disney. I mean, you know, like Rogue One was amazing. Rogue One was lightning in a bottle. But as far you tell me what has been written better than this series, you know, when it's hitting the beats. Yeah, sure. It's dark. It's not necessarily all for kids. But as far as just having it, you know, you guys have had to grade papers. How would you grade? How would you grade if somebody turned in a story like this? I'm going to wonder what the hell the rest of the class was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do get that paper sometimes where, you know, you go through 10 and you're like, nobody was listening to me. <laughs> nobody understood this assignment. Am I a bad teacher? And then you get that one where you're just like, oh, they got it. Right. And maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it was pure innate talent. And then they got that. But um, and it's striking just in that silly regard, like Tony Gilroy says he's not a Star Wars fan. And yeah, he seems to have gotten Star Wars in this really cool, interesting way. That's that's something just so thrilling. So that's my aside about grading papers. <laughs> well, and, and I think that with, with Tony, I think it's great that he doesn't feel trapped by it. Mm-hmm. He's still, you know, there are strands of Star Wars DNA all over this, but that doesn't mean there has to be a lightsaber. That doesn't mean there has to be you know, high speed chases and things like that. This is just a different approach. And I love the fact that they're willing to do this. This one, if anything's going to win awards, this should win awards and put them on the map for that. And I think that's the power of Disney plus is the ability to do these things. The fact that tomorrow we're going to get a studio Ghibli Lucasfilm Grogu short put together I'm equally as excited about that as I am about every Andor ser- show that's coming out. Maybe more Andor at this point, but that being said, I love the show. I think it's probably the best Star Wars that's ever been done along with Rogue One. But Sabine Wren is still my favorite character, and I love <laughs> Rebels. So I'm excited for the Ahsoka series to come and to see Natasha playing Sabine and bringing that to live action. So I think it's just, it's that variety and that's a, it's the ability and you stay in the news when you get people saying, no, this is better. No, that's better. Mm. People may call it toxic. And if you go to certain levels, it is, but at the same time, everyone loves something and they're kind of fighting for their side of it. And I just think that means that there's more love marks involved than just content. And I, you know, it's, it's interesting. Let me, let me put a twist on that as well. What do you think would have happened if Book of Boba Fett came out after Andor had premiered? As much criticism as Book of Boba Fett, in some cases justified, did, you know, I think it would have gotten eviscerated um, just because it's like, look, there are ways to tell stories like this. And, you know, you can still play with the, the, all the toys and have that. 
But I do think that this sets a standard that I think a lot of shows going forward, maybe fairly, maybe unfairly, I'm looking at you, Acolyte. You've got you've got some, you know, there's a series that now has got some markers on it going, hey, you have some free reign there. Pay attention to what these these, these cats are doing. Mm. Well, and Carrie Ann Moss isn't doing anything cheesy. No. She's going to be in there like what she did in, uh, was it Jessica Jones that yeah. she was in? Mm. Yeah. And then Matrix and things like. In the new Matrix. She's the yeah. reason to watch the, the new one. Yeah, like. <laughs> Her alone, and she was one of the last ones, I think, that was at least publicly added. Mm. I was just like, oh, this just got super legit right now. So I expect the accolade to be there. But you know what? None of this and how incredible it is dampens my excitement for the Bad Batch 2 coming out. There you and go. I'm <laughs> ready for Wrecker to make a bad joke. I'm ready for, you know, those characters to have their moments in animation. Like, it, it's all... It's all great storytelling. This just happens to be the best, most refined storytelling. Exactly. And I would um, say that, that Ross, when you come back on this show during Batch for Breakfast season two, <laughs> it will be, it will ha I will, I will put my foot down and say it has to be Rekka Hunter Tech. <laughs> you have to say it like that. That's Dick. how the names are pronounced. Dick. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Uh, I was just going to give another shout out to uh, Ken and Joseph at uh, Force Center. They're not the only ones who say this, but they talk about the Star Wars buffet. And I do think this is the age of the Star Wars buffet. You go to the buffet, you grab the mozzarella sticks, you grab the <laughs> lo mein, you grab whatever you want. And it doesn't mean you hate the other stuff. It's just you're hungry for that thing at that time. And I think, you know, we're in an age where we came kind of through a rough transition for a lot of people because it used to be, if you were a star Wars fan, you liked everything. And I think most star Wars fans I know now may have some affinity for everything, but they have their favorites and they have the things that they say, I really can't eat that ride as a Skywalker or I'm stuffed full of solo. Don't, don't feed me another bite. Um, but, uh, it reminds me too. There's there's an old Twitter meme from a million years ago that said something like, "Girl, you're at you're the the cheese pizza at the Chinese buffet. Like I don't I don't know why you're here, but I respect it." And uh, I feel like there are some Star Wars fans who are seeing this as seeing some things as just like that. It doesn't belong in the mix, but it's there. Maybe that's your book of Boba Fett. Or for some fans, I think it is Andor who, you know, don't like this. Um, you know, my dear friend Carl at Wampa's Lair has struggled with Andor because he's here for fun and he's here for excitement. And Andor is not often that. Now, I, I do want to say he absolutely loved the new episode today. So, um, <laughs> you know, absolutely not uh, across the board. But I understand that. And I think... I think the more all of us can just embrace that we're going to love some things and we're going to not like some other things. I think that's just healthy and it's fine. As long like Ross said, as long as you're not toxic, then just, just be fine with people saying your thing's not my favorite. I'm glad you like it, but I'm going to do my own thing. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm going to have trouble. I, I think I think you made the right comparison, though. Uh, it is Acolyte that's going to pick up this because uh, I'm excited for, for Mando season three. I think you're right. It's going to be Rebels reunion. It's going to be fantastic. Give me a little Thrawn and I'm over the moon. But I do think um, Acolyte is going to be the next one that tries for this prestige zone uh, purely. It's going to be interesting, you know, to see like, you know, there are going to be those series that are going to that are going to catch us on characters 
you know, as, as we were waiting for the live action rebels folks to come in and possibly thrown and all that. And there's going to be some, that's just going to go, you know what, I'm in for the story and I'm in for the writing. Um, and, and just to finish out that buffet, it's like, you know what? Um, yeah, you got to be careful on the star Wars buffet because golden corral on the surface seems like a great idea. However, go to a golden corral. It's, it, it could go, it could go, it could turn on you in a heartbeat, just like that third trip back, uh, for whatever it is that you shouldn't have probably ate the first two rounds of at any rate, just to finish that, that, that thing glazed off. cherry cobbler. That's been sitting there the entire time you've been there under that heat lamp. Like, no, just, just let it go. Just let oh. it go. I, I went to a Chinese buffet in inclement weather one time and everything had been there for hours. And I'm just having these awful flashbacks now with that, but I hear you. Good point. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Do we have time for one more question? Let's see. Uh, this will be a quick one. I, I got a quick one for you. Uh, we, we've been dancing around this question um, kind of all night and, 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 and last episode. Who do you think has had the better monologue? Luthen, Saw, or Kino? Uh, gosh, I, I, for me, cut Saw out of the running. Sorry, Forrest. Uh, <laughs> you're not you're not in the running for me. Uh, just this episode, um, I did go back and I transcribed all of Kino's, which I do think was probably my favorite. But a lot of that, when I wrote down the actual words, I'm like, oh, this isn't that good. <laughs> I think the editing there really did the monologue some favors. So I'm going pure Luthen. I think um, Jen uh, on the long take, Jen Shibchakshai celebrated that. And somebody tweeted a response to her saying it was the greatest gift to high schoolers auditioning for their school play <laughs> that they could ever imagine. And I thought that was such a funny take on it because I, I would have been that kid. I would be like, I'm going to memorize the Luthen monologue and move them. So I'm going Luthen for the high school kids. Fair yeah, enough. I don't think there's any question that it's Luthen. That is... <laughs> That sums up, and, and Jen pointed this out, like that sums up this entire series and everything leading up to Rogue One. It is, it's powerful. It's so well delivered. It, It's dark in a place where some people go for happiness. And it is, you know, he says, there's no sunshine where I am. Like, I am in a world of dark and my dreams are shared with ghosts. This is, this is, this is, dark beautiful this is edgar Allan poe this is shakespeare this is all of those elements of pulling emotions out of someone and, and bearing it very raw and i'm gonna see no, i i'm just deep thinking about one it. as well yeah does anyone else expect the killers video to start every time Melshi has an ISO shot <laughs> with Brandon flowers from the killers. So mm. that may mm. just be me. And I've tried to take screenshots to look at it and post mm. something. I was like, uh, it's not close enough on a screenshot, but when I see him, I expect a killers video to start. <laughs> well, you know, if, if he's singing Mr. Brightsides. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, there we go. Uh, uh, on the other side of the music spectrum, Ringerverse said we need a parody of We Don't Talk About Bruno about We Don't Talk About Luthen. And that's oh. all I've been composing mentally for, for the week is We Don't Talk About Luthen. Um, 
How about, uh, I look, I made a complete fool of myself with some big, wild predictions. Although, the factories still might not be making anything. No guarantees they're making anything. I'm sticking by that one. Um, anybody want to make a wild prediction for the finale arc? Where are we going? What are we doing with these last two episodes? Oh, that's tough. Chandrilla, maybe, as we mentioned. I thought that was a good guess. I'm going to throw out there... We get a guest appearance by Enfys Nest. Mm. Ooh. Mm, okay. That's a good big swing. One of the few questions that were left on my uh, on my board uh, was, do we think the Krieger raid is going to fail for sure? So I do feel that that raid is coming up. Uh, but I w- I I still sort of 50-50. It seemed like the I you know like it. it you know, everybody's trying to like everybody's trying to like psych themselves, like oh, if it if it works or if it doesn't. But uh, I, I do think the uh, the arc probably has to revolve around that because that would be a good thing that would either go very good or very bad, and that would make a nice end slash cliffhanger for this. I think that's a good guess. I'm I'm wondering if it happens on screen or off screen. I think we hear about what mm. happens, but it might still stay off screen. Uh, um. You know, Emphasness is such a good big idea, and we know she's on the Disney Plus payroll for Willow right now, so so she's around near a volume, if nothing else. Um, well, and there is a tie to Saw and Jen. Yeah, yeah, from the solo novel, that's true. Uh, I'm gonna go safer, and I think um, I think Bale is going to make an appearance in the Mon Mothma storyline. Get a little more Jimmy Smiths, because again, he was around. Um, Those of us who had the incredible good fortune of being at the Kenobi premiere, I don't think anybody else had better energy than Jimmy Smiths when he got out on that stage. He was really happy to be there and still in in the Star Wars family. Um, So I I think he's going to fling through and might just shake up whatever is going on between Luther and Mon. And, you know, he would be another person in this mix. And we talked a few episodes ago about who else knows Mon's secret and so on. And and I think Bale is is an easier swing than uh, than uh, Enthus. And equally as welcome to me. Yes. Like, that, that would be wonderful. Mm. All right. Ugh. This is, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be an amazing couple of episodes. It's going to be fun to go over. I mean, I think it's, you know, like with most of these series, usually when we get to the end, sometimes the questions are a little tough to come up with because a lot of these things kind of wrap up themselves. Uh, But I do not, uh, you know, it may not be in the case. You know, it's going to be interesting because you get to the end of this particular storyline, then it's going to start jumping. Uh, But I don't think it'd be a good series unless they really had something you know, so that that would that would also be an interesting question: is will it end on a cliffhanger, or will it end in something, and then it'll pick up later? So uh, I'm I'm curious how that one's going to go. Oh, I'm I'm going full cliffhanger. They knew they had season two; they had it all. You know, it was not about performance. It's totally going to be a wild cliffhanger to drive us mad because yeah, they haven't even. We're all not saying filming. "son of a." At the <laughs> end. <laughs> I mean, how many times have those wrong. credits cut in and you're like, no, like now? And and it's going to be the worst one. I think you're right, Ross. <laughs> <sighs> All 
desperately finding, trying to find that Kino Loy uh, monologue. I may or may not have accidentally deleted out of the uh, Google Doc. I really hope that wasn't in there. <laughs> Apologies in advance. I, I closed out of the document because I'm like, oops. <laughs> but once again, thank you. Uh, just thank you to Director Benick for putting together uh, an amazing... Uh, see, he's got the transcript of Luthen's one in there. I don't mm. know whether that, the other one is there. But, you know, it's just so many characters, so many different... Uh, great lines from this, and uh, it was really fun, uh, Ross, to have you in on this one uh, as part of our the uh, the breakfast friends and family plan uh, that thankfully <laughs> has uh, has had a lot of great folks in, and I think we still have uh, one or two maybe. Uh, hopefully, we can sneak in uh, before this comes to a close. Before surprisingly, the the bad batch will be upon us, and we'll be asking uh, you and uh, some other folks to join in as uh, we're getting set for what should be a great series. I'm looking forward to uh, the Bad Batch as well as we were talking about before. All right, Ross, um, as we wrap up tonight, where can people find you online if they want to ask you questions or talk about the things you said on tonight's program or see what's up in your pop collection? Yeah, I'm always excited to be able to contribute to Fantha Track. So thank you to Mark Newbold and the team there for letting me write and contribute there. And on Twitter, you can find me at Ross Holliban and Instagram at Popstar Indie. Excellent, excellent. Greg, how is the uh, Wheel of Time series going for you? We are so close to being done with the book. So uh, we are cruising right along. Uh, I actually have to go upstairs and do my reading right after this. Uh, so uh, it's always good to be my age and have some homework. But yeah, that's our show is called Through the Glass Columns. I would love it if some of the Rebel Base crew jumped over. Um, I know Kyle Scully, good old friend. Um, my, my host on that show, my co-host, uh, he's like, I don't know who's listening. I'm like, I have one fan on the internet that I guarantee is listening. And that was Kyle. So always good to have uh, people join that. Um, and it's meant to be a book club. You can join at any time. Uh, and other than that, you can find me at Ion Cannon, E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N. I am going to be tweeting mostly about Star Wars books. Uh, I just got through uh, Quest for the Hidden City. I am jumping into Art of the High Republic. And we got another High Republic book two weeks out. So it's, oh it's hit after hit after hit. And never mind that we all just got through Wakanda forever. And we got Ryan Johnson, Glass Onion coming in a week and a half to theaters. It's just, uh, you know, nerd autumn has not stopped. And uh, it continues to just have all these treasures. And it's it's great as awards movies gear up and all that. So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about on Twitter and Instagram, uh, seeing way too many movies and just making sure the internet knows my opinion on them. Cause what else is the internet for? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and, and it's on. great talking to you guys and you know, the, the group that we kind of run with and then mm -hmm. other people that hop in and out as well. Like I love all these shows. I love them more because I hear you all talk about them and then mm -hmm. I get the opportunity to share thoughts with you as well. So Thank you for doing this. I, I love listening every week to if it's you guys, if it's a, another guest coming on. So super fun format and a little bit something different to mix it up. So thank you guys for doing this. And I love where we are as a fandom right now across all of our different nerd avenues. <laughs> well, and it's been fun, you know, because, you know, like you can jump over like you know, we, we talk. Um, I think the only person we haven't brought up tonight, Colby. 
uh, from the Colby cast who's had, you know, it's like everybody kind of has this nice ring and there's so many of us that we can kind of, you know, share people around and, you know, everything is kind of a companion to the other one, you know, whether you're writing for Fanta Tracks, whether you're writing uh, a Substack, you know, whether you're putting together, whether you're just talking about, you know, different genres, you know, the nice thing about Colby cast is it's not Star Wars specific, so he can hop off and he can talk about She-Hulk. Uh, I'm sure they'll be talking about, uh, you know, Wakanda Forever, which uh, I had a chance to see last night. I know, you know, we, we were talking about that, you know, off off mic and I got my first uh, McDonaldland toy. Uh, we got a Shiri uh, in, in there, and it, so it's just fun. And I am looking forward to my post, my post second job retirement to pick up some of this free time and <laughs> and get back into some of these shows, some of these books, some of the comics, and uh, some of the podcasts and all this. Um, and and to be more involved, we still have I still have some content for the mainline show that I have yet to put out that desperately needs to be put out. Uh, and I appreciate everybody's patience on that. But yeah, I've got. I've got stacks of cards that need to be open that are just waiting for me. They're just patiently waiting for me to crack open and enjoy, including what oh, we just got some of the end or um, weekly set cards. And finally the trailer card set came in and the first chunk that they, cause they sold uh, one to three together. And I did get a, I did get a blue variant. I was very happy to get a numbered variant in both the trailer set and that. Um, and so yes, the latest one came out cause they come out on Thursday. So I've got to put in my order from tops, uh, and uh, and I'll be very very happy to spend some of this, these holiday days uh, organizing cards, which is what I do best. Uh, at any rate, all right. If you uh, folks out there have any questions for us, you can find us on the socials at uh, the folks you already uh, heard from, Greg and Ross. You can also ask the show directly uh, by interacting with me on Twitter, Instagram at Rebel Base Card or email the program, Greg at RebelBaseCard.com. I did check out Mastodon and I stepped right back out. That's <laughs> not quite yet. Not quite there yet. Uh, Pinterest would be more interesting uh, than that at this point, but I'm sure there's plenty of great uh, online communities on Mastodon and who knows, maybe there'll be a Star Wars channel in there as well, but not yet. Um, all right. I'd love to have this go longer, but... Actually, I could technically, I don't have to go do that airport run just yet. Um, but no, I, I need to get these folks off because Greg has some reading to do. Ross has some writing <laughs> to do. And we have some other longer podcast recap shows to check up on. Uh, so we will sign off for this week, but hopefully be back next with more questions. We hope somebody answers because we have a lot of them. But for now, we're going to return you to your podcast playlist already in progress. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.